WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital, doctors, health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital, it's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matisak, and in this episode, we're talking about how boundaries are essential to healthy relationships, which in turn affects our mental health. Our guest is Dr. Kylie Oleski, Director of Adult Integrated Services in Geisinger's Psychiatry Department, where she treats a variety of behavioral health conditions, including depression, anxiety, mood disorders, and trauma. Dr. Oleski, welcome back to the Mind Over Matter podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, let's start by defining our terms. What exactly is a boundary? Sure. Well, we have boundaries everywhere in life, but if we're talking about them in terms of interpersonal relationships, um, it is essentially a limit, right? It's an interpersonal limit or an imaginary line of sorts that defines what we're okay with and and maybe on the other side of that, what we're not okay with or not willing to tolerate. I have heard boundaries described as fences, not walls, that keep the good in and the bad out. Does that ring true to you? Absolutely, yes. And especially with the, the fences metaphor, boundaries can be strong but flexible. So when I think of that little bit of give that a, a fence will many times allow, um, that's pretty consistent with how our boundaries should look as well. Yeah. I'd like to try a couple of examples, Dr. Oleski, and uh, just see uh, what you have to say about each of these sort of boundary situations. So let's try a couple scenarios here. Uh, let's start with coworkers. So you've got that coworker who is constantly stopping by your desk to chat and distracting you from getting your work done. Um, what kind of boundary issue are we talking about there? I think we're talking about a few, but in particular, we would probably be talking about um, respect for one's time. Mm-hmm. And so how would you handle that? So I I liked this idea of um, almost like a, a criticism or feedback sandwich where we offer a little bit of positivity with our feedback in the middle and then kind of wrap up with some positivity. So saying something to the effect of, I really appreciate that you want to stop by and chat, but I'm having a hard time focusing on my work right now. So, you know, I I need to ask you to leave and then maybe later on today, I'll catch up with you. All right, let's try another one. How about the friend who always seems to be in crisis and calls any time of the day or night because they need to talk to you right now? So that one also is something infringing on our time. We can have boundaries that we set verbally and also through our behavior. So this one I would approach probably in two ways. A simple reminder, just because they're calling, you know, at any time of day, it doesn't mean that we're obligated to take the call at that particular time. So that's an example where we can lead with our behavior. And, you know, if we're in the middle of something, truly not drop what we're doing just to take the call. Uh, And then also communicating with a friend, 
something to the effect of, you know, I know it's really important that we talk. I'm in the middle of other commitments right now. Let's schedule a time that works for both of us. All right. Here's another one. The child who throws a tantrum in the checkout line when you refuse to buy the M&Ms. Oh, this one's very challenging. (laughs) And this is my life right now. Um, So, yeah, this one's a little bit more challenging, but that's the type of... um, thing where we really have to not give in to that type of behavior. So the boundary there looks a lot like that parent setting the limit. No, we are not getting this candy, but then the parent following through with the task that they were there to do, right? So basically not allowing the tantrum to cause us to leave the store early. Hmm. Which can be a challenge when you are that parent in the checkout line, no doubt. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. One more, the spouse who doesn't do a whole lot to help out with the household chores. Mm, So this is a a really good example where we can use assertive communication, which is a really important component of healthy boundary setting. So in this situation, we would want to communicate what our needs are. So saying something to the effect of, I need you to, right? And speaking from the first person using I statements. So I need you to X, Y, Z, right? Enter uh, whatever chore might be applicable there. Yeah, I think communication is really important when we're talking about boundaries. And that leads me to my next question, because once we are clear on what what our boundaries are, in other words, what we will put up with and be okay with and what's not okay, um, what are some good ways to communicate those boundaries? Because if they're not communicated, they're not going to be respected. Absolutely. Yes, we cannot separate communication from boundary setting. They absolutely go together. Um, So I had just mentioned this before in terms of assertive communication. And within assertive communication are things like I statements. So it's very important to speak from the first position, or I'm sorry, from the first person of your position um, and to communicate clearly and sternly. So not aggressively where we're yelling, right? But that stern, more matter of fact approach. And then combine that with if-then statements, right? So the idea of if this boundary is not respected, then blank, right? This is what will occur next. And you have to be willing to follow through with that statement. So you have to think about consequences for the boundary being violated. And then, as you said, be prepared to follow through if that does happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think, too, when you talked about speaking firmly, right? I think sometimes that sense of assertiveness can be um, interpreted as aggressiveness. And and sometimes we can get confused between, you know, assertiveness versus aggressiveness. What's the difference? Absolutely. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. That's an excellent question. And I also think it's something that we see women in particular in our society maybe struggling with a bit more. Um, So aggressive communication is marked by um, this this intensity, right? This actual aggression, right? Maybe more of a threatening posture, indicating conflict or a fight. Um, it, it could be this amplification of behavior where we're yelling and maybe almost like some tantruming behavior. Whereas assertive communication is quite the opposite of that. Assertive communication represents this this firmness and this clarity, and again, speaking from your position, you're of, of an I, I need, I want, this is how I feel. Um, 
So assertive communication in a nutshell is communicating openly and clearly about our, our feelings about a situation and our position on a situation. Yeah. So it sounds like you're you're communicating that you mean business, but you're not doing it in a way that has the feel of anger to it. Correct. Yeah, that's an excellent summary. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing, Dr. Oleski, for those of us who are recovering people pleasers uh, who, or maybe, you know, who grew up in an environment where expressing your needs was frowned upon or it was just something that wasn't done. I think the idea of setting boundaries can feel uncomfortable. Um, you can feel like you're being selfish or being mean. How would you address that concern? Yes, absolutely. I, I completely would agree with that sentiment. Um, so I, the first thing I tell all of my patients when we're working on these things is that it is going to feel uncomfortable. But we have to be careful not to um, misinterpret where that discomfort is coming from, right? So when we're practicing a new skill and assertive communication and boundary setting is a skill, it's going to feel uncomfortable at first until we you know, really work that muscle and get, get used to using the skill. So the discomfort is a good thing because that indicates that change is taking place. Then from there, we I like to do a little dive in on the semantics of things, right? So you tossed out the term selfish, and that's something I hear quite often. Um, so we would do a dive together and say, well, what exactly does it mean to be selfish? And is this behavior meeting that definition? Or are we maybe being misguided here by our emotions and our past experiences, which very often is the case? Yeah. And I think speaking of past experiences, you know, those habits can become so ingrained. And I'm thinking about people pleasing, not that I have personal experience with this, <laughs> but I'm thinking about how, you know, by the time we reach adulthood, a lot of those habits and ways of think thinking can become deeply ingrained. And I'm guessing that it may take a while to adapt to a new behavior that just feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar for a while. Yes, exactly. Um, these people-pleasing behaviors did not develop overnight and they will not go away overnight. But as I mentioned before, with really working that muscle, you know, the more we work it, the more comfortable it will be. So each time we practice, it will get easier and easier very incrementally. Um, and then I usually suggest starting very, very small when we're working on boundary setting and assertiveness. So if we come from a family, for example, where you did not communicate whatsoever about feelings, uh, but now we might be in a relationship where we have the safety to do that, um, we can't go from no communication to spilling everything out all at once, right? So I'll work with patients on practicing just one small self-disclosure or one small step, and sometimes even communicating about what we might label as more positive emotions, such as you know happiness or enjoyment, could also be a safe place to start and then working our way up to maybe some of the more difficult discussions. When you talk about building that muscle, would you recommend to your patients or to our listeners um, maybe role playing um, kind of like you do with your patients, um, finding a safe person that you can sort of practice this on before you set the boundary with the actual person? Oh, without a doubt. Yes. If somebody is willing to to do that, it can be a very effective tool um, for, again, working that muscle and practicing this skill. And there's a lot of research out there that shows that behavioral, rever behavioral rehearsal um, is an effective 
tool. I'm wondering too, Dr. Oleski, if you see this at all in your practice where someone can embrace the idea of setting boundaries so much that they decide they're just going to start setting boundaries all over the place and maybe run the risk of doing a little too much too soon where it feels, especially to the person um, that they are dealing with, like, wow, this is this is an awful lot awfully fast. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that happens just anecdotally a little less often because there's so much anxiety a lot of times about setting these boundaries, but every now and then I'll see people really run with it, which on the one hand is is really great, right? But that's where it comes into play of we do need to be flexible with these boundaries. So um, sometimes, you know, scaling back a little bit is is what we need to do. We, there's there's downfalls to being overly boundaried as well. Yeah. it's I guess it's like anything else. It takes a while until you find, you know, kind of the sweet spot and the right place where you are setting appropriate boundaries and enough of them at the right time with the right people. And and to your point, it takes some practice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think along those lines, it's important to recognize that usually the lack of a boundary is serving, you know, that other person. So when you put that boundary in place, we're no longer really serving them. And that often leads to a reaction, right? That's human nature. So sometimes that reaction could very much mimic a tantrum, just an adult form. Uh, but if we overly focus on that, it might convince us that we're doing something wrong. And it's really important to realize that that's more of, you know, that person's stuff to own and their reaction to the boundary, whereas our boundary that we set was completely appropriate. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I can see a scenario where someone who has not had boundaries decides to set some and now they get pushback from that person um, who has been violating boundaries for a long time. How do we deal with resistance to boundaries once we've set them? Mm -hmm. And that resistance will come. That's one of the things I like to make clear to my patients that it's probably not going to be smooth sailing. So it's really important to, to to stand your ground. And again, not in an aggressive way, but that consistent communication and that firmness, right? And, and keeping your message consistent, repeating your boundary. Nope, this, this is the limit, right? This is what I stated is my boundary. And that's where then those if-then conversations probably start to um, start to happen, right? That if if you repeatedly violate this boundary with me, then X, Y, Z will be the consequences. Yeah. So once again, you have to have some sort of consequence, be prepared to follow through if it comes down to that and the boundary continues to be violated. Yep. Yeah. We are talking with Dr. Kylie Oleski, and we're talking about the importance of boundaries, particularly as it relates to our mental health. We've got much more to talk about, but we're going to take just a quick break and we'll be back right after this. WVIA presents a Mind Over Matter Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Kylie Oleski from Geisinger. Sleep is essential to our health and well-being. The National Institutes of Health estimates about one-third of people have trouble sleeping, with 5 to 10% of people being diagnosed with a sleep disorder. The most common sleep disorder is insomnia, where a person has difficulty either falling or staying asleep, which interferes with daytime activities. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is the first-line treatment performed by a clinical psychologist. Most people can experience positive outcomes within several sessions. We all have trouble sleeping sometimes, but if it is persistent, you should talk to your doctor. The good news is that insomnia is treatable. Remember, you are not alone. For more, visit wvia.org forward slash mindovermatter or dial 211 to speak with someone who can help. Mind Over Matter is presented by WVIA in partnership with Geisinger. 
You're listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matisak, and our guest is Dr. Kylie Oleski, Director of Adult Integrated Services in Geisinger's Psychiatry Department, and she treats a variety of behavioral health conditions there. We're talking about boundaries, the importance of having personal boundaries, what that does to help us with our mental health and with our relationships, to make our relationships more healthy as well. Dr. Oleski, um, how much flexibility should we have when it comes to setting boundaries? In other words, when you're working with someone on setting boundaries, how do you decide which ones have some wiggle room and which ones are just non-negotiable? Yeah, well, I'm, I really like that you use that term of non-negotiable because that's actually how I start that conversation with a lot of my patients of let's identify what your non-negotiables are and then work from there. Right. So we all have this this line of the things that we are not willing to negotiate on. But then we might have some other boundaries where maybe it's not as high of stakes or we're just not have as big of an impact on our life. So we want the boundary there, but we're willing to be flexible with it. Um, So it's all individualized and depending on the person and their unique circumstances. Yeah. So it it just takes some, I guess, some time and some intentionality to think through uh, you know, what those non-negotiables are. And, and as you said, that's where you begin. Absolutely. Yeah. And keeping in mind that our boundaries in the workplace, with friends, um, in social situations, in public, right, they're all going to look a little bit different. Yeah. But they have to. Exactly. Um, what does not having boundaries do to our mental and relational, for that matter, health over time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what made me want to speak on this topic today, because I see such a high degree of um, anxiety and depression and, and various mood concerns. And as I meet with a person, we realize underlying that there's often some sort of interpersonal component. So whether it's diffuse boundaries or just a complete lack thereof, um, it, it all seems to coalesce together and really impact our, our symptoms and how we experience our depression and anxiety, for example. Yeah. So that is the argument, really, for being clear about boundaries, because it really does ultimately affect our mental health and really can, it, it, I guess, if we don't have boundaries or they're very loose, um, ultimately that can lead to mental health issues. Absolutely. Yeah, because a lack of boundaries and ability to advocate for ourselves often leads to what you had termed earlier of this people-pleasing behavior where many times we're prioritizing the needs of others uh, far above our own, right? And then that that wears on a person and is a detriment to our overall well-being, which can then kind of snowball into some symptoms of depression and anxiety. I'm curious, Dr. Oleski, if you see a difference in generations as it relates to boundaries, because now you hear so much talk about self-care and about boundaries and things that maybe a generation or two or three ago, people weren't even talking about. I just wonder if you are seeing a difference in this generation, if maybe they're a little bit better about doing that or a little bit more aware of boundaries and why they're important. Without a doubt. Yes, I am absolutely seeing that. And um, just the concept of boundaries in general, I would say our younger generations tend to be more open to that and familiar with the concept. Mm -hmm. I will also add that I think some of my most rewarding therapeutic experiences 
come from maybe our a little bit older um, generations where this concept is so new to them, but many times once they start practicing it, it is so empowering. Yeah, it's it's liberating, right? When you have lived all your life sort of um, without boundaries or just sort of being at the mercy of other people's uh, wills and decisions that um, it can be a liberating thing, I think, to begin to think, well, what do I need, right? Absolutely. Yep. I have seen that time and again with many of my patients. What about setting boundaries with ourselves, Dr. Oleski? I mean, what might that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I'm glad we brought that up. That's an area we haven't touched on. And it's uh, very much a thing. Right. So just as much as we set boundaries with other people, it's important to have them for ourselves. So one area to begin conceptualizing our personal boundaries um, along those lines would be in terms of our non-negotiables. Right. Mm -hmm. So a a personal boundary or a boundary with ourselves could look like kind of prioritizing what's important to us um, and and that being a non-negotiable. So I'm speaking very abstractly, but one an example of how this translates into real life, for example, is I have a toddler at home and my evenings are outside of work are protected for just family time. So a personal boundary I have is typically um, not committing to activities outside work hours, especially during the week, because that takes away from family time. So those boundaries we set for ourselves are really a prioritization of our values. Yeah. And I would think that when we do violate those kinds of boundaries that we set for ourselves, that that can um, that can feel pretty lousy. (laughs) Actually, it's one thing, you know, dealing with other people, but then violating our own boundaries for ourselves. It just doesn't feel good. Right. Right. And it could be really exhausting, too. We find ourselves in this pattern sometimes of giving too much of ourselves and maybe being too flexible and too accommodating. And once we start to feel that exhaustion as a result, that's a clue like, oh, you know, I got to set some limits here. Something's got to change. You know, of course, it's one thing to set boundaries, but of course, it's also important to remember that other people have boundaries, too. We have been talking about setting our own in this conversation. Um, What do we need to remember as it relates to respecting the boundaries of other people? Yeah, yeah, that's a very uh, good question. And you're absolutely right, right? We just, I think, need to be mindful of the fact that other people do have their boundaries. And sometimes they're communicated clearly to us. And other times they're not. And we're kind of left to to figure out what that boundary might be. Uh, But it's important to remember that with that mindfulness comes this level of respect. You know, so even if somebody's limit or boundary results in some sort of reaction from us, it's important to check in with ourselves and say, okay, is this really about me, right? Or is this just a boundary that my friend needs to set right now in order, you know, to protect their own well-being? Well, Dr. Oleski, you have young children yourself, and I'm wondering how you are teaching them about healthy boundaries and how we can teach our kids at a young age about boundaries so that they are less likely to become people-pleasing or codependent adults. Yes, yes. Excellent point. So I have a four-year-old daughter, and um, it's never too early to start. So one way to do it, there's actually lots of children's books that exist on the topic in general. Um, And then one of the things we've been focusing on recently is actually consent. So if my daughter is saying, I want to give so-and-so a hug, right? It's okay, well, let's ask them, can I give you a hug? Um, So it's about empowering them to recognize that they have choices 
in these situations. And finally, Dr. Oleski, if you could leave our listeners with one key thought as it relates to boundaries or one key takeaway on this issue, what might that be? Hmm. Well, one of the things I find myself saying repeatedly when I have these discussions is the concept of setting boundaries is easy. But putting it into action is much harder than I think we we realize. So as people enter this this work, I, I would say have a lot of grace for yourself. You are you are human and it's going to be difficult and uncomfortable, but the payoff can be so empowering and really life changing. Dr. Kylie Oleski is Director of Adult Integrated Services in Geisinger's Psychiatry Department, where she treats a variety of behavioral health conditions. Dr. Oleski, thank you so much for taking time to help us understand the importance of boundaries to our mental and relational health. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. For more information on this and other mental health topics, check out our website at wvia.org slash mindovermatter. I'm Tracy Matisak. Thanks for listening. WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital? Doctors? Health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital, it's for you. Wanna fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy.